Physics World. Hello and welcome to the Physics World podcast. I'm Andrew Glester and last month Physics World sent me off to investigate radioactive diamond batteries. This month it's neutrinos. Perhaps the most exotic of particles. It takes one neutrino just eight minutes to get from the centre of our sun to pass through you completely unnoticed, harmlessly and undetectably. 65 billion of them pass through your fingernail every second. Every square centimetre of you, in fact, not just your fingernail. Every square centimetre of everything. They're literally everywhere, all around us, all the time, but we can't see them. We can't even detect most of them. They come from a variety of sources. There are those from nearby stars and distant stars, but they're also generated on Earth. Cosmic rays interact with particles in our upper atmosphere and generate showers of neutrinos. And nuclear reactors here on Earth produce neutrinos as part of their daily routines. As I've been reading about neutrinos, there are two key experiments in the detection of them, which for me gave me a bit more insight into how they work and how we can detect them. First is what's known as the Homestake experiment, which was designed by Raymond Davis, the astrophysicist. What he did was put a 100,000-gallon tank of dry cleaning fluid in a gold mine, as you do, with the theory, and in fact the practice being, that neutrinos emitted from nuclear fusion in our sun would react with the chlorine particles in the dry cleaning fluid and transform them into a radioactive isotope of argon, which could then, in turn, be measured. So that's how we can detect them. Not the neutrinos themselves, but the effect that the neutrinos have on other matter. And just to put some numbers on that idea of most of them not being detected, over three decades, he captured thousands of neutrinos. You know, thousands is a good number if you want to study something. But thousands over 30 years when 65 billion pass through every square centimetre every second. Now, the neutrinos that Davis was detecting came from our sun, and Masatoshi Koshiba shared the Nobel Prize with Davis for being the first to detect neutrinos from a supernova explosion far out in the depths of space. And now, thanks to particle physicists at the University of Oxford, you and I are able to virtually step inside a particle detector at Fermilab called Microboon. Marco Del Tutto, a PhD student at Oxford, and his colleagues have developed an app which virtually recreates the experiment for any smartphone that's iOS or Android. I stepped off the train in Oxford, and it's probably exactly as you'd imagine it to be if you've never been. It's a busy, bustling, unmistakably English city. I stumbled across a market as I walked across town. And I have to admit that these invisible neutrinos seem decidedly detached from reality as I perceive it. But stepping back onto a busy street with pedestrians, cyclists and traffic... That began to change. As the traffic stopped at a red light, I became aware of a songbird high in a tree above me. I couldn't pick it out through the branches, but obviously I did know 
that it was there. And then I heard a flag knocking against its flagpole. And I noticed that the trees were swaying. It dawned on me that this idea of something invisible that we can only really detect because of its impact on other things, on other matter, is really only as far-fetched as the wind. Of course, I'd come to Oxford to meet the researchers who developed the app, and the app is called Venue, a virtual environment for neutrinos. It's an international group of particle physicists who have worked together on the app, but a core part of the team are here at Oxford University. Now, of course, Oxford isn't all dreaming spires and flags. The physics building that I arrive at is a relatively featureless concrete construction, notable perhaps only for the pile of bicycles outside it. But inside, there's some incredible work being done. In reception, there's a wall of photographs of the scientists who work there. It's a smorgasbord of nationalities from around the world. And there's a simple sign that says, Welcome to Astrophysics and Particle Physics, Oxford. Marco greets me and leads me through the corridors to the office of his supervisor, Roxanne Gunnett, where we're joined by Matt Bass, who has literally just returned from Fermilab. I'm Matt Bass. I'm a postdoctoral research assistant here at Oxford. So Fermilab is a national laboratory in the U.S. that is about 45 minutes outside of the city of Chicago. When you go to Fermilab, it is kind of like being on the prairie. Um, it's not, there's not big machines sitting all around. These are very large tunnels that are underground, so the, the site itself is actually really beautiful. You know, there's, uh, there's bison there that you can see. There's you know, coyotes that run around. But uh, in the past, the, there have been very large particle accelerator experiments there. Notice uh, the Tevatron was based there. Uh, now there are quite a few neutrino experiments that, that are there. There's actually two different neutrino beam lines. A neutrino beam line is a beam line in which neutrinos are produced by uh, slamming protons into a target and looking at the resulting particles that are produced. One of them is called microprint, which stands for the Micro Booster Neutrino Experiment, which is the subject of the, the venue app. Hi, hi, I'm Marco Del Tutto. I am a PhD student uh, in Oxford University. I'm in my second year working on a microboon experiment, and I actively uh, developed the app. I study neutrinos because they are a giant missing block uh, in our understanding of the universe. We know that the standard model is a model that's working, uh, is working properly, but we cannot integrate uh, gravity, uh, and we have other problems, like you know this matter-antimatter asymmetry, we have dark energy and dark matter in the universe, we cannot explain. And the only thing that's not working in the standard model are the neutrinos, because we were thought to be massless, now they have mass, but still, we don't know how much this mass is. We know we have three types of neutrinos. We don't know which one is the heaviest, which one is the lightest. We don't know if there are only three. So the fourth one could be a candidate for dark matter, for example, maybe not. So as you'll know, the, the, the standard model can be thought of as a framework used by physicists to understand how the fundamental forces of nature relate to each other and how they interact with fundamental particles. It was developed in the early 1970s and it's a really brilliant guide because it explains a lot of observed phenomena but there are some notable gaps. Hi, I'm Roxane Gennett. I'm an Ernest Rutherford Fellow here at Oxford University. I study neutrino physics uh, using the quadragon detectors and I'm the supervisor of Matt and uh, Marco who are the developers of the app. 
So neutrinos are very puzzling particles. For a long time, we thought that they were quite boring because the standard model, which is the model that describes all the particles and their interactions, predicted that they were massless. And they only interact via weak interactions, which means that they don't interact much. For those two reasons, the fact that they thought we thought they were massless and they don't interact much, experimentalists and theorists didn't care too much about neutrinos. However, we've discovered that neutrino oscillates, and that tells that neutrinos have mass, which contradicts what I just said. The more we've been studying them, the more information we get. It seems that they hold a lot of information that we didn't think in the past. So, for example, by studying neutrinos, we might be able to show that there are physics beyond the standard model, which is kind of the holy grail of all the particle physicists, to show that this model, quite su successful up to now, is not the end of the story. Yeah, so we can actually learn a lot more about the universe from neutrinos. One of the big things that I'm interested in is discovering the nature of the matter-antimatter asymmetry in the universe. And it's one of the avenues that neutrino oscillation experiments could open to us. By default, we call the matter that we observe in the universe matter and not antimatter. But we also know that there's antimatter as well. An antimatter particle is a particle with the same properties as its matter counterpart, but with uh, opposite, opposite charge, opposite parity, and opposite behaviors and under uh, symmetry laws in the universe. So one thing that most people know about matter and antimatter is that if they meet, they annihilate. Uh, as far as you know, there are no antimatter stars and galaxies. In the visible universe, we know that there are no antimatter stars and galaxies. We are able to produce antimatter in labs. Um, we do that quite a bit. And high-energy interactions, uh, we produce antimatter quite a bit. And one of the things we actually look for in our liquid argon detectors in some of the versions of these experiments that we run are antimatter particles. So instead of an electron, you get an anti-electron, also known as a positron, in an interaction. So the open question is, in the universe, why is there matter and not antimatter? So at this point in the conversation, my mind started to drift. And I remembered, of course, that in Philip Pullman novels, the His Dark Materials trilogy, Oxford is central to the story. And in that Oxford, they can cut through the air with a knife and travel through to other worlds in other dimensions. Now, obviously, that's fantasy, but some theoretical physicists argue that neutrinos could be evidence for extra dimensions. Now, the thinking is most particles come in two varieties, the variety that spin clockwise and those that spin anticlockwise. Neutrinos are the only particles that seem to just spin anticlockwise. And the idea is that the ones that spin clockwise are hiding in another dimension. We can even make neutrinos ourselves. If we want to do a control experiment where we're going to try to understand what the neutrinos are doing, it's good to know exactly how many neutrinos you're producing and what energy you're producing them. So we use accelerators, particle accelerators, to produce neutrinos. And this is what the laboratory at Fermilab is doing, for example. So I, I take it, you're, as his supervisor, you're okay with him spending his time making us... Yes. <laughs> now, this is a great tool. Outreach is super important for all fundamental physicists because basically we know how important fundamental physics is for the world, but the world doesn't always know that. So the discovery that we make in fundamental physics research are often applied 10, 15, 20 years later. 
So if we can tell the, the public why it's so important that the government invests in fundamental research, then it's a win-win for everybody. So okay. this is a great tool for that. Do, do you see in that 20, 30-year future what we could possibly be using neutrinos for or what you could find out which could lead on to real-world things? For neutrinos, it's a bit hard to tell now because the weak interaction is the weak point of the neutrinos. So even if we produce them, it's, it's not clear what they are useful for. However, right now, they are useful to prevent nuclear proliferation. Mm. Basically, as I said before, the um, nuclear reactors, which are used when you want to produce nuclear um, things to put in bombs and stuff like that, they are detectable using neutrinos. So by having portable neutrino, neutrino detectors that you can put near the borders of countries that you would like to do, which might not be ethical, but yeah, yeah. depending on what you want to do, yeah. um, it's, it's good to control um, those illegal activities okay. with neutrinos. So you could find weapons of mass destruction? You could. With the, the problem is you need big detectors, so it's not very um, discreet to fly a huge detector over a country to check if they're doing something illegal. Yeah. But in the future, with getting better detector, you can go further and further, and that could be used for that. And actually, it is somehow used for that right now. A lot of um, defense in some countries are developing neutrino detectors uh, for submarines, for example, to make sure that the, um, the radioactive core is still uh, acting as, as it should. And oh, okay. So there is some applications, but it's not completely yet known what we're going to do with neutrinos. Right now, it's, you know, we can't even do quantum computing properly. Uh, we, we're getting there, but so it's hard to imagine what neutrinos will do adding to this. But it's always worth going down any road, especially when you don't know what you're going to find at the end. So by this point in the conversation, I'm completely sold on the reasons for studying neutrinos. And I find myself in a room with three neutrino experts who've just developed a virtual reality app for your phone, which can take you deep into one of the most exciting experiments in particle physics today. So there's only really one thing to do now, and that's to try out the app. Right, what do I do? I'm going to put it on. Yeah, so just wear it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, you're inside the microphone detector. You're basically moving inside liquid argon right now. You should be able to see on the side of the detector there are the, is the PMT system, uh, which are oh. this, the, the, yeah, the disc and the cylinders. Um, and those are uh, the detectors that collect the light Roxanne was talking about before. Uh, the most important thing is that you should be able to see uh, red trucks. Yes, um, okay. uh, those are the particles that we have uh, recorded and reconstructed uh, inside the detector. So this is real data? From exactly, system. yes. So many of them will be uh, cosmic rays, so particles coming from the outer space. Um, but some of them are coming from a neutrino interaction inside the detector. So a cosmic rays is usually coming from, uh, from the top of the detector because they're coming from the outer space. If you're looking for neutrino interaction, then you're looking for a vertex. So there must be a point from where trucks coming out this can be difficult as well because they may start not exactly at the vertex. So the event you're looking at right now, it also contains a couple of photons. When you're playing the game inside the app, you can see a virtual representation all around you of the inside of the tank. You can see all the different parts of it. And as Marco said, you can see the detectors that Roxanne was talking about. If you look towards one end, you can see all the particles coming towards you. Imagine it's like one of those science fiction films where all the stars are flying past as you go into hyperspace. But also, and this is where the game element comes in, you can see tracks caused 
where those neutrinos have collided with other particles. If you're playing the game, it's simply a case of finding the neutrinos and double-clicking on them. So why can't we go into the detector? Um, so in, the microbe detector is impossible because it's a, it's a tank filled with liquid argon. Even if you go inside, it would be impossible to really um, you know, see the particles that uh, come out from the interaction. But in this way, I thought that people can really you know, see and understand what is truly happening inside when a particle interacts in the detector. If you were there in the tank, you couldn't see the interactions. So how do you see the interactions? The interaction of neutrinos produce charged particles. Those charged particles will go through argon and they will take all the electrons out of those argon atoms. And these electrons that are being produced, we call ionization, atom, uh, ionization electrons, are drifted to signals. Basically the same thing as a wire that goes in the wall. You have electrons going through that produce a signal. So what we do is we use those ionization electrons and we record the signal that they produce on those wires be making a bleep on our uh, on our readout and this is how we see the particles so it's not um, you couldn't see them with your eyes because obviously it's electrons so you don't see them in addition to those electrons that they produce they also produce scintillation which is basically light however it's not light in the visible it's light in the very uh, in the far uv so the only way we can see those is using photomultiplier tubes so one thing that is great about this app is that it allows everybody to see particles. So it is great that even for physicists, looking at this and seeing the particles is quite impressive. I think physics outreach is fundamental. I thought it was nice to have something that everyone can, can use, and everyone has a smartphone, or almost everyone has a smartphone right now. I thought it was nice if someone can just, you know, download the app. Instead of playing, you know, the usual games, this, this game, you know, they, they can actually learn something playing with it. Um, and it's not much different from other games that you can download online, except that this one, you know, the tutorial is actually trying to teach you something, right? So it's teaching you how do we make this neutrino beam, um, and then how do the how, how do the neutrino interact in our detector? And once you've been to all the tutorial, you can also go, you know, to the learning section, learn more, or you can go and play the game. Um, and it's you know it's kind of a bridge between the detector itself. And the public, because you can you can use virtual reality, and it's like being inside the detector. Yeah. Using the simulation, everyone you know can uh, give a look at the real events in it. That idea of people downloading it as a game, I love it. I think it's a great idea. If you want to learn about neutrino experiments and particle detectors, then I can't think a better way of doing it. Virtually stepping inside the detector and playing a game, learning all the time. It's brilliant. In fact. The tutorial part of the game is really excellent in that respect. If you do one thing with the app, download it and follow the tutorial. You, you'll, I know you'll have fun and you'll gain a deeper appreciation of how neutrino detectors work, which can only be a good thing. The game itself, in terms of functionality, I like it a lot, particularly with the virtual reality putting you right in the action. But there needs to be more to keep me coming back and playing it again and again. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't news to Marco. He's already thinking about version 2.0, and he actually did want to put much of this functionality into the first version of the game. We started launching it during the stargazing event here in Oxford. Um, so people that uh, came to that event were kind of interested in science, and so they were happy with it, happy to have an app to download. Um, uh, but, you know, making a game, I hope that this can be expanded also to, uh, you know, 
uh, other other people. You, you've seen that one section of this app has a feedback, and we are really hoping that the public using that app will send feedback to Marco so that he can improve everything for version two. Um, one thing that I noticed is that um, people from from for uh, all the ages like the app. So from kids, uh, you know that they knew about virtual reality, so they were happy with it. But also to elderly people, they were you know kind of impressed to see you know all this technology and to you know um, actually have this intuitive way of looking to a neutrino detector. Their goal is that one day I'll be able to pop my phone into one of these cardboard contraptions, hold it up to my face, and get live data from particle accelerators from around the world. Imagine instead of telling you that it's currently Bristol Rovers nil, Port Vale nil, your phone vibrates to tell you that neutrinos have been discovered at Fermilab. Open the app and you'll see the data visualised as it happens. And don't worry, if Port Vale score, your phone can still alert you as you float in virtual liquid argon. Being able virtually to get inside the detector has really helped me get my head around how Microboon works. I'm sure that would be the same for many people who aren't particle physicists. But can this technology be of use to physicists beyond communicating with the public? There is things already existing in astrophysics, for example, which is called Zooniverse, millions of images of galaxies, and they've asked the public when they have time to go and, and classify those uh, galaxies. And that's been very useful scientifically. So you could imagine in the future that people could go and help scientists to classify those neutrino events. The brain is always better at classifying those than actual pattern recognition uh, algorithms. So in the future, that could be one way forward. Can he work more on the app? Are you going to let him? Of course I will. I mean, as I (laughs) said before, this is a great product and we should definitely improve it. The impact that it has will be even bigger. So there is definitely... That's part of our research. I mean, when you say if I'm letting him work on that, it's really part of his PhD anyway. So I used this thing last week at my family's for my mum and my brother's. And for the first time, my mom really listened to what I was doing in life. <laughs> and now she can, because she's seen it, she's much more probed to now being able to explain to her friends what her daughter is doing. So thank you, Marco. <laughs> the data that comes out of these detectors is essentially a lot of numbers. And it's great if you like that kind of thing, but many of us want something more visual. And this app isn't the only way that you can use your virtual reality headset for your phone to explore particle physics. There's a web page you can go to for the CMS experiment at CERN. We'll post a link to it on the Physics World website article for this podcast. If you pop your headset on, you can fly through a virtual representation of the CMS experiment. As you fly through, you can have a look around. And again, it gives you a really wonderful feeling of how these things work. You can't interact in the way that you can with Venue, but who doesn't want to fly through and look at particle detectors? I have to say a special mention to NASA as well, who've just released a 360 video artist representation of what it might be like to be on the surface of one of those exoplanets around TRAPPIST-1 that they've just announced. If you're listening to this podcast, I expect you, like me, are off to have a look around that exoplanet. Have a look around these particle accelerators right now. Thank you so much to Marco Del Tutto for making the app and for making that possible. And thank you to Marco, Roxanne and Matt for talking to me. Uh, Do go and have a play with the app. If you've got any ideas, do let them know. You can really help to shape this app for version 2.0. 
I definitely got the sense that Marco and the others are keen to take this great starting point and develop an app which you'll want to keep coming back to again and again, stepping inside some of the most mind-blowing experiments in fundamental physics today. I'd like to thank Physics World for asking me to make this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And a special thanks to Hamish Johnston, whose blog on the Physics World website first alerted me to the existence of the Venue app. Physics World Podcast will be back again next month with something else from this wonderful world of physics. And as always, have a look at physicsworld.com. And if there's any stories there that you'd like more information on, get in touch. You can tweet at physicsworld or post a comment on the article for this podcast on the Physics World website. We always love hearing from you. And I can't wait to do all this again for some other area of physics. And thank you for listening. Physics World.